Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. He came from heaven to rescue all humanity from our sinful condition. There is no one equal to Jesus. He is above every other human being that ever existed. And he is indeed our only hope to escape the wrath of God and to come into eternal life. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 3 and learn about our incredible God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, uh, just giving your life to Jesus. Uh, today we are going to finish up John chapter 3. Um, we're going to be doing verses 31 to 36. It, we've done... Uh, I don't know how many Stephen would know, um, the guy who heads up the, the IT and communications department, um, he would know how many teachings exactly, but I think it's somewhere around 22, 23 teachings. I think John chapter one was like eight and two might've been six, and this might be eight or nine uh, in John chapter three, but um, we'll complete John chapter three and we'll have taught through every verse in John chapter 1, John chapter 2, and John chapter 3. And it's just really exciting. That's what it's about. It's just about studying our Bible and reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures and breaking them apart and just, uh, you know, just really chewing on the word of God. And, you know, we've said this before. When we read the scriptures, it's not just there for a good story. We had Bible study last night um, at the house and, uh, and everyone there has learned that when we ask the question, why is this in the Bible, that Romans 15, 4 says that, that it was written to teach us or instruct us not just to be a good story. Right, Chloe? Um, you know, it's, it's here that we could read it and learn from it and apply it to our lives. And what are our lives about? Our lives are about living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and for giving for Jesus, right, Melanie? So John chapter three today, verses 31 to 36. We'll go ahead and pray and then we will read it and we'll, we'll get rolling. So Father, we do thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the living word of God, the Holy Scriptures. We ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you for your love and your goodness and your favor on our lives. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. the wonderful, awful tasting drink my wife makes me out of love. All right. John 3 verses 31 to 36. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven 
is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I, uh, I was reminded uh, a couple of days ago, I, uh, I got my hair cut and uh, uh, um, my, uh, my barber, I believe it's Alexis, um, you know, good guy, just uh, very meticulous. Barbers nowadays are like artists, you know, they can they do all that kind of stuff. They got all these tools to make it look tight. And so, uh, you know, he, he gave me this haircut and I, uh, I appreciate it. He also gave me a good shave and, uh, and he was asking a lot of questions about the Bible and about Jesus. So uh, I appreciate you, brother. And uh, hopefully it's starting to make sense for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, so you remember verse 30 said, and we're going to pick up in 31 today, but in verse 30, John the Baptist makes this incredible declaration. He must become greater. I must become less. And we talked about how that that's the case for every aspect of our lives. Jesus must become greater in every way, and we must become less. Now, verses 31 to 36 are going to tell us why that is, right? They're going to explain why Jesus must become greater. It needs to be more about him, more about Jesus in every aspect of my life, and less about me. And the reason for that, verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. John says that very clearly we are told and it is confirmed that Jesus Christ came from heaven. Okay. He came from heaven as God. And that is a profoundly important point. The one who comes from above is above all. Jesus came from heaven. God the Son enters the world as a human man, lived a perfect life for all of us, died a perfect death for us, was raised from the dead, and then ascended back into heaven, and he will return one day. John says the one who comes from above is above all. Jesus is above everyone, okay? Jesus is immensely above everyone because he came from heaven. Moses didn't come from heaven. King David didn't come from heaven, okay? The apostle Peter, Saint Peter, didn't come from heaven. The popes don't come from heaven. Muhammad didn't come from heaven. Buddha didn't come from heaven. Confucius didn't come from heaven. Jesus Christ, God the Son, came from heaven, is God, and as such, is above everyone. You don't put anyone equal with Jesus, ever. Jesus is God, the second member of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? They're all God. 
There are three individual beings that are all God. As God, they're all all-knowing, omniscient. They're all all-powerful, omnipotent, and they're all everywhere at all times, omnipresent, okay? The one who comes from above is above all. So John is wanting to end this chapter, and there was no chapters when he wrote this, but John is making it clear and that we want to understand. This chapter of John 3 is a must-read chapter for every believer. We really want to read everything, but this this chapter 3 is really a, a paramount chapter, Alexis. Um, the one who comes from above is above all, okay? So we need to get our thinking right about Jesus. Nobody else came from above, okay? We're all earthly beings. Jesus came from heaven and entered the earth. You remember uh, the angel Gabriel went to Mary and said that the spirit of God is going to come on you, right? And the power of the most high will come on you, right? And, you know, you're going to have a son. So it was God who made Mary pregnant, okay? So Jesus comes from heaven, enters the earth, and is above all, okay? Even the angels worship him at his birth, right? Everything. All created humanity worships Jesus. Jesus is above everything. Again, he came from above. He came from heaven as God. Hence, he is above everything. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. That's us. All of us as human beings, humanity, all men and women, are from the earth. We are born from our mother, an earthly human being, and we come into the earth and we are of the earth. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who comes from heaven is above all. The one who is the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and look at this and speaks as one from the earth. There are a lot of voices in our world today, more so than at any time in human history. We have more voices to contend with, right? With the invention of the internet, social media, we have countless voices to contend with, countless things that come into our mind, countless ideas, the vast majority of them ridiculous, okay? The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The only words that matter in your life are the words of your Bible and the most pertinent words are the words of Jesus Christ himself. Now, the entire Bible is the word of God, okay? When you see what this says here, okay? The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. Jesus belongs to heaven. We belong to the earth. But when we come to the earth, we speak as one from the earth, okay? Which means 
we're speaking with a limited knowledge and a limited understanding, uh, immensely limited compared to Jesus Christ, God the Son, who came from heaven. Okay? The one who comes from heaven is above all. Verse 32. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. You see that? So Jesus is testifying. Jesus is speaking. Not of the earth. He testifies as one who came from heaven, knowing the truth of heaven, the secrets of heaven, what happens in heaven. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. When Jesus is speaking, he's testifying of the certainty of what happens, not only on earth, but the certainty of the counsels of God in heaven. Try try to wrap your head around that. He testifies to what he has seen and heard. It's not like you and I. Jesus has actually come from heaven, witnessed and been in heaven. He is the God of heaven, God the Son, the second member of the triune God. And the words we have from him are of absolute certainty. They they cannot be doubted in any way. But look what it says. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. That's verse 32. He, Jesus, testifies to what he has seen and heard. He speaks about, he's given us his word. We have it here in the scriptures. What he has actually seen with his own eyes, heard with his own ears. He speaks about it. He testifies to it. He proclaims the truth of it. But no one accepts his testimony. What does that mean? The vast majority of the world today has not accepted the absolute truth of the testimony of Jesus Christ. There are, what, 8 billion people in the world, okay? Jesus Christ is the only one that came from heaven. Every other human being in all religions everywhere did not come from heaven. Jesus Christ came down from heaven and testifies to the truth of what heaven is about, what humanity is about, the fact that we're, that we're sinful human beings, the, the testimony that we're all sinful, right? God has given his word. Okay, the entire Bible is the word of God. Okay, it's the word of God, our father, God, the son, Jesus and God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us the word of God and told us Romans 323 that all human beings are sinful and fall short of God's holy standard. Because we're sinful. The wrath of God is on us. We're going to see this in verse 36. When we enter the world, when you and I are born, you and I were born with a nature of sin, a sinful nature. When we entered the world, when we came from our mother's womb, we had a nature of sin. 
a, a, a sinful nature that desires its own way, right? Our sinful nature drives us into sin and we're, we're, we're selfish because of it. We, on our, or we want our own way. We have wrong thoughts, speak wrong words, and do wrong actions, right? Every one of us that are rational would admit that we've done wrong and sinful things, that we've had wrong thoughts, spoken wrong words, and done wrong deeds. And because of that, verse 36 says, the wrath of God remains on us. In our sin, the wrath of God is on our sin because a holy God cannot suffer sin. He cannot deal with it. And so his wrath, his punishment has to be on sin. Jesus Christ has testified out of his own mouth in John 14, this, this very gospel, this very book, chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Think about that. Jesus' his own words, his own testimony. He came from heaven and spoke these words to all humanity. All 8 billion people on the earth need Jesus. If you're alive today, you need Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Those are the very words of Jesus Christ, John 14, 6. And yet, although he came from heaven, although he has testified to these things, although there are witnesses that walked with him and confirmed these things, verse 32 says, but still, it's like uh, comparatively speaking, very few people accept the testimony. It's really an unheard of thing. How can this be? How can so few of the 8 billion people on the earth accept the testimony of Jesus Christ? He came from heaven. I'm trying to hammer this home so we get it in our minds, Scott. I'm trying to really hammer it home. He came from heaven. Heaven, okay? We didn't come from heaven, okay? He came from heaven into our earth as God and gave us the truth, testified to the truth, to what he has seen and heard, to what is an absolute fact, okay? Jesus is the boss of everything. You remember in Matthew 28, right, verse 18? He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Think about that. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 35 said, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. God, the father, the father loves the son. We're in verse 35 and has placed everything in his hands. You see that? Everything, everything in heaven, everything on earth is in the hands of Jesus Christ. It's literal insanity to not give your life to Christ. Out of his own mouth, he said, there's no other way. There is no heaven without Jesus Christ. There is no life without Jesus Christ. 
There's nothing without Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It's, it's not ambiguous, right? It's not confusing. It's not nebulous. It's clear. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. What does it mean to believe in the Son? To believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior means, of course, to believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for you and me and died a perfect death, torturous death for you and me. To believe that he's alive and risen. It's to believe, first of all, everything it says in the Bible about Jesus, right? But to believe doesn't just mean to give intellectual assent or to acknowledge intellectually the things it says in the Bible. When it says whoever believes in the Son, to believe means to truly trust in, to rely on Jesus, to, to cling to Jesus. It's to acknowledge what Romans 3.23 said, that every human being is sinful. It's when you acknowledge, Lord Jesus, I am a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. And I'm hopeless, Lord Jesus. I'm helpless. There's nothing I can do, Lord Jesus. I'm desperate for you. And out of that desperation, you run to Jesus and you call on him. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You call on him out of that desperation and say, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you and I ask you now, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life and to save me from my sin, Lord Jesus. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my only Lord and Savior, to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's what it means to believe in Jesus, right? to trust in him, to rely on him, to cling to him, to call out to him in that desperation to be your, your Lord and Savior. That's how we're saved from our sin. That's how our sins are forgiven. There's literally nothing we can do at all in any way, right, Tommy? To be saved from our sin. Personally, there's nothing we can do. We're hopeless, we're helpless, we're desperate. That's why Jesus came into the world. If we could handle the sin problem ourselves, then Jesus wouldn't have entered the world, become a human man for us, lived a perfect life for us, died a torturous and horrible death for us. He wouldn't have done all that if we could have done it, our, done it ourselves. Yet, the vast majority of humanity do not accept the very testimony of God the Son. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Jesus is the boss of everything. And all he asks is that you acknowledge what he's done for you and give your life to him. And you too will have life in Christ. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Remember, we said last time eternal life is not just a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. It's a life that's it's focused on Christ. It's a life that understands this world is not all there is. It's a life that brings you into relationship with God the Father as your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Husband. 
We're the, the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter, and you have relationship with the triune God. It's incredible. Why wouldn't everyone want that? You know, Peter says in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, that the reason the Lord Jesus hasn't come back yet, and I hope he comes back before we finish this recording, but Peter says the reason he hasn't come back yet is he's patient, that he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's the only place for us if we don't have Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. Wherever you are, let, let all 8 billion people in the world right now Give their life to Jesus Christ and receive Jesus in the way that I just, just explained five minutes ago. Because the good news is then, when everyone's given their life to Christ, then Jesus can come back. And you know, aren't y'all ready for Jesus to come? You know what the Bible says, the second to the last verse, you'll see it on your screen if you're on YouTube. The Apostle John's ends this Bible. The same author of this gospel is going to end all the Bible by saying, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. There's nothing greater than that. This world is just jacked up. Isn't it? There's just, just so much wrong, right? <clears throat> Sickness, disease, nobody can get along. We're arguing about everything. We need Jesus to come back. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Look at, look at this verse and just how, how, how clear it is, how unambiguous it is. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on him. You don't have to do anything for the wrath of God to be on you. You're, you're born with a sinful nature. Because of that nature, you live sinfully. And because of that, the wrath of God remains on you. You don't have to go get it. It's already there. Spiritual death is, you know, is where you, you are as a matter of course. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you come into spiritual life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. You notice there's no riding on the fence. Either you receive Jesus and give your life to him, or you reject him. If you reject him, whoever rejects the son will not see life. You can't just sit on the fence. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. Whoever rejects the son will not see life. Do you not want to have life in Jesus Christ? Life in this life and the next if you don't have Jesus, you don't even have life in this life. You're physically alive. You're a physically alive human being going about your day, but you have no life in you, no meaning, no purpose. Everything is about Jesus. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. Jesus is running everything. So whatever thoughts we have, about any religious ideas, all of that has to be scrapped and we come down to the foundation of Jesus Christ, the Lord of heaven and earth, who came into the world 
on behalf of humanity, lived a perfect life, never sinned, died a perfect death, has been raised from the dead. And if you'll trust in him, the wrath of God, the wrath of God over sin, your sin and my sin, will be transferred from us. Every sin we ever committed will be transferred along with the wrath of God from us and it'll be placed on Jesus. Wow. Let me say that again. The wrath of God, which is a real bad thing, mind you, okay? Every sin we ever did, when you receive Christ, as we talked about, and trust in him, and are desperately clinging to him, relying on him as your only Lord and Savior, when you do that, all the wrath of God over your sin and my sin, along with every sin we ever committed, is taken from us and transferred and put to Jesus Christ at the cross. And you and I are sinless and spotless. And we go from being under the wrath of God to the love of God. It's a miracle. Wow. Verse 33. The man who has accepted it. We'll start back 32. He testifies to what he's seen and heard. Jesus testifies to what he's seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Vast majority of the world, even in Jesus's day, right? The vast majority of his own people, the Jewish people, didn't accept his testimony. And still today, the vast majority of Israel hasn't accepted it. It's ridiculous. Give your life to Jesus today. All those who are Jewish, give your life to Jesus. And if you're not Jewish, the Bible says you're a Gentile, which is anyone that's not Jewish. Give your life to Jesus today. We have an incredible Jewish Messiah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Golly. He testifies to what he's seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Verse 33, the man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. Have you accepted it today? Because if you're a man or a woman today and you've accepted it, you certify that this word of God is true, that Jesus is true, that what Jesus said is true. And we ought, we ought to live like that. I was talking to my brother Jesse. We were going over this this morning. And uh, part, of the, part of our, we ought to have a lifestyle of certifying that God is truthful in Jesus Christ, right? We know that we've certified it when we, when we have a heart to talk about it, when we have a heart to share it, when we have a heart to, to live our lives for Christ, right? If you've accepted this testimony, then certify it's truthful by, by, by beginning to, to talk about Jesus a little more, by beginning to make Jesus a little bigger priority of your life, right? We don't get saved by doing any of this, but we ought to have a lifestyle of certifying that this is true, that our Bible is true, that what Jesus is saying is true, that what's written here is true. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. When you, 
when you receive Jesus, when you believe Jesus, when you take Jesus at his word, when you take God at his word, when you believe the Bible, you're certifying and stating that, you know what, God is truthful because I believe the Bible. When you don't believe the Bible, when you don't believe in Jesus, when you don't believe what it says about Jesus in the Bible, then what you're saying is God is a liar because this is the word of God. For you to say, yeah, I don't believe that or whatever we say, or that was written by this, or men just wrote that down. What you're doing is calling God a liar. I didn't write it. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. When you reject it, you're saying that God is not truthful because you're rejecting what the word of God says. It's lunacy. Verse 34. For the one whom God has sent, Jesus, speaks the words of God. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. The words of Jesus, when Jesus talks, he's speaking the word of God. Because it says, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Jesus is God. He speaks the word of God. You'll notice in most Bibles, uh, the words of Jesus are in red. Everything Jesus said when Jesus spoke, he is God. So when he speaks, he's speaking the word of God because Jesus is God. When Jesus speaks, it's God speaking his words. So not only are the words in red, the words that Jesus spoke, the word of God, the entire Bible's the word of God because it was inspired by the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Look at the second half of 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. This is, this is a, a profound statement here. Jesus, when he came on earth, lived his life, even though he's God the Son, he lived his life being led by the Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was sinless. It says the Spirit of God came down and remained on him like a dove. And it says, for God gives the Spirit without limit. When Jesus walked the earth, Jesus actually walked in community and unity with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, and it was without limit. It was limitless. Jesus walked in the Spirit of God, cooperating with the Spirit of God, being led by the Spirit of God, and it was limitless. It wasn't hindered in any manner or in any way. And that's why we see some things in Jesus that we saw nowhere else. Right? You remember Jesus is on the ocean. I'm sorry, he's on the sea, right? And the disciples believe they're going to perish and drown because, you know, there's a, there's a massive storm. Jesus, they wake him up. Jesus says three words, quiet, be still. And Mother Nature has to quiet down. It says it went completely calm. Why does Mother Nature have to calm down? She don't listen to me. She don't listen to you, right? We can't walk out in a hurricane and say stop and have it stop. Don't work for us. But he has it without limit. And he created Mother Nature. Mother Nature's our mama, but Jesus is her daddy. 
because he created it, right? Three words. Imagine that. Imagine like the biggest thunderstorm you ever saw, just pouring down rain. Looks like it's not going to stop for three hours. Trees going over, limbs knocked down, you know, cities getting rocked. Jesus says, quiet, be still, and boom, everything goes calm. No more rain, no more wind. That's what it's like to have the spirit without limit. In John 11, he walks up to the tomb with Lazarus, right? Lazarus is dead, right? Verse 35, Jesus is crying. It says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. John 11, John 11, 35, I believe it is. And uh, then he looks up, says three words, Lazarus, come out. Imagine if you and I were there, we'd be looking over like, what he say? Did, did he, that man been dead in there four days. What, what did he just say? <laughs> that ain't going to work. And all of a sudden, five seconds later, you see the, the mummy walking out of the tomb. That's what it's like to have the spirit without limit. In Jesus, the spirit of God is limitless. Now, you and I have that same spirit of God living in us and is one with us. If we are in Jesus Christ today, the spirit of Jesus, that same spirit is living in us. Except we also have this sinful nature still. And so we do have the power of the spirit of God in us, but it is hindered by our sinful nature. Now we still, the spirit of God empowers us. The spirit of God is just, um, just, just gives us the, the, the immense benefits of the spirit of God are, are, are limitless, right? But it is hindered in the fact that we have a sinful nature, but we do, we too want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and walk in step with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it perfectly because he was without sin. I, I consistently seemingly make mistakes and I go places that the Spirit of God may or may not be leading, right? Now, again, I'm not aware of anything, but you know, to walk in perfect step with the in the unity with the Spirit of God, I don't think there's a rational believer that would say they do it perfect. Jesus did it perfect. He did it. It was without limit, and he didn't hinder it in any way. And we can see what what an individual being led by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, can do. You know, Jesus raising people from the dead, just everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, hmm. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. Jesus speaks the word of God. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has everything. Verse 35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Everything's in the hands of Jesus. Are you in the hands of Jesus? Have you placed yourself? The Father has placed everything in Jesus' hands which means you can't go to the Father except through Jesus, as we just said, right? John 14, 6. But are you willing to place everything in the hands of Jesus? Because verse 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Give your life to Jesus today. I beg you. There's nothing that matters except you knowing Jesus Christ. You receiving Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And then as Christians, 
you know, we 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 want to we want to consistently daily grow in walking with him and knowing him and loving him and testifying to him and speaking his name and repenting when we make mistakes. We want to grow in our relationship with Jesus. We want to grow to know our heavenly father more and more. He's our father. He's our daddy. Right, Kimberly? We just want to grow to know our heavenly daddy more and more and more. And just we want to know what it means to spend time with him and just fellowship with him. And we want to have community with the Holy Spirit. If you're in Jesus Christ, as we said in this chapter, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's one with you. He's given you spiritual life, right? He's given you new life in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is your, your guide, your counselor, your comforter. And he wants to lead you every day into deeper intimacy and relationship and truth in Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for these, these incredible chapters, Father. John's chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Um, Father, we proclaim that Jesus Christ is above all. Father, we proclaim that your word says that that you have placed everything in the hands of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that everything belongs in the hands of Jesus. Father, I thank you that my life belongs in the hands of Jesus because I can't run it. Lord, every time I try to take my own life and control my own life and have it in my own hands, all that happens is mistakes. Holy Spirit, I ask you to lead us and guide us and to train us and to teach us how to put our life moment by moment, day by day, in the hands of Jesus. That just as the Father has placed everything in Jesus' hands, certainly I need to place everything in Jesus' hands. Wow. Lord, forgive me when I've just taken things out of your hands, Lord. I'm sorry. Lord, I do pray that you would open the hearts of your people today, all those in the world, Lord. Open the hearts of your people, your people in Israel who you came to, Lord, and those all over the world, open their hearts, Father, that they would accept the testimony of Jesus Christ, who came from heaven, God the Son, and loved, loved us so much that lived a perfect life for us and died a horrible, torturous death for us. And Jesus, we believe you're alive and risen, and we ask you to save your people today and Above all, Lord Jesus, I pray you would save them and I pray you would come. Lord Jesus, we pray now, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, it's in Jesus' name we thank you and praise you and worship you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us as we go from here. Point us to Jesus. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.